This is the Untamed Ethos Podcast. Join us as investment pros, executives, and other experts talk business, personal growth, investing, politics, and the trending topics well-rounded pros need to know about. Authentic, unfiltered, and fun. Joshua Wilson is the founder of United Ethos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Due to industry regulations, he will not discuss any of United Ethos's investment advice on this podcast, and nothing you'll hear on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. All opinions expressed by Joshua and by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of United Ethos or its affiliates. Welcome back to Untamed Ethos. I am Joshua Wilson, and with me today is Tim Maitland, the co-founder and chief revenue officer of MarketScale. I'm excited to talk to Tim today because I tell you what, when, in, in 2023, when we're recording this, everyone is talking about video. Everyone is talking about influence. It's very clear that the next level is can you increase the amount of people that you talk to? How can you turn your experts into influencers? How can you turn your experts into even salespeople um, for your firm without them having to sell? How can you leverage the experts in your company? Um, and MarketScale is standing at the forefront of that um, with an offering and also um, you know, really creating a new type of a, of a media platform that's uh, that's still still very fresh in the marketplace. And so today I'm going to be talking about Tim about uh, but kind of his entrepreneur's journey of getting through market scale. I look forward to learning a lot about the the um, the uh, foundation of this and also what's working for businesses and different types of businesses. Uh, market scale works with a lot of different types of businesses, both services, business and manufacturing and all different types of things. And they're finding some ways that were shocking to me about different types of businesses that I would not have thought um, of a way that they could really be leveraging some of these modern, uh, modern ways of reaching folks. So uh, look forward to learning a lot today, Tim. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You know, I see the show all over LinkedIn and, and we love promoting it. So when you asked me to be on it when you were at our headshots and happy hour event. I had to be a resounding yes. So thanks for uh, thanks for featuring me. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Tim, you know you heard my general overview of of, of market scale, uh, but give me uh, give me your sixty second or whatever overview of what market scale does before we kind of jump back in and then we're gonna go back to the beginning and talk about you and your journey and, and some learning, but. Give me a market scale overview. For sure. For sure. I don't know if I could even say it better than you did. You were spot on. But uh, no, you know, with market scale, you know, we kind of had a light bulb moment where we realized that the best companies in the world, doesn't matter who you are, how big you are, what industry in, a company is really only as successful as their community is thriving. And what we mean by that is when you look at an organization, you're made up of a community. It's, you know, your customers, it's your prospects, it's the associations that you're a part of. It's the people that make up your business from the engineers to the sales leaders to marketing executives, you name it. And the best way to build a thriving community is you say, hey, everybody in the community, we respect your voice. We respect your thought leadership. We want to be a platform for you to inspire and educate and teach one another. So here is a way to get your voice heard and, and to share your insights. So market scale, we're a platform that really kind of helps fuel that by building companies' media channels where it could be you know, a podcast like we're on today or it could be a live roundtable or it could be 
using our platform market skill studio where somebody can literally just record a quick little 30 second soundbite that, that the company will then, you know, brand and share out. So that's what we're all about. You know, our themes engaging communities and really communities flourish when you turn any expert in that community into a content creator, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, when you, you say any expert into a content mm -hmm. creator, you know, in, in my in my business, obviously wealth management, financial advisors and such, everyone's always telling me I want to do video a year later. I want to do video a year later. I really know that video is the future. <laughs> and I'm going There's to only get so many different ways you could say it. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's uh, all of a sudden you know, the market will eventually uh, some people say saturated, but I think it's more that this is the new way of communication and not that every other way of the past is is going away. But this is how people like to communicate. When you say turning your experts into um, ambassadors, or I forget the word that, that you actually use there, you know, we tend to think in terms of who is going to be the face of the firm and who is great on camera, or we think of it as being a role. And what's been interesting to me at market scale is in my perception, you said, okay, this is not a role per se. Yeah, sure. Maybe you have your main person or whatever, but you're saying there's more to it than just creating a role. How do you necessarily, how do you convince people or actually what is the case for? Let me start there. What is the case for trying to get more people involved in this, especially people that don't really think of themselves as ah, I'm not really the kind that wants to talk to, cam to the camera. For sure. Well, we, we have to realize a couple of things. So you, you mentioned it, right? Video is really the new form of communication. And it's pretty obvious. I mean, think about how you spend time alone or how you spend time with your family. You're probably consuming media, right? You're watching short form videos on, you know, Instagram or, or TikTok or YouTube. You're streaming, you know, the biggest and best shows on any of the platforms. You're watching, you know, football seasons coming up. You're watching live. So, you know, video is kind of all encompassing in our lives. And then when you go to the business world, that would almost be, I don't know the word, like in maybe an oxymoron to not have any sort of video communication or to not scale it. So to your point on, you know, how do you take an engineer who isn't a marketer or, you know, a sales expert who isn't a marketer and get them to create video? It's because the power of authenticity. You know, we live in a world today where authenticity is the new technical. Right. As an engineer, you are an expert, you're a thought leader, you've designed and built the product, your company saying it's the best in the industry. A company would be crazy to not say, hey, engineer, make a quick product video or share your insights of why you designed it that way or explain the differentiators. Although that engineer might not be, you know, a, a camera first type of person or, you know, any sort of marketing experience, they're an expert at their craft. And because of authenticity, that customer on the other side of the screen watching content, you know, they would much rather watch that kind of zany, very authentic engineer talk about a product that they designed as opposed to that actor or that, you know, well-crafted marketer where you almost feel like you're being sold to as opposed to being educated. So our methodology as we talk to these companies who manufacture all sorts of products or design all these solutions is say, we tell them, hey, focus on the authenticity of your people and just trust that that authenticity is going to be what persuades your customers or your community because you're believing in the power of education, not just another sales pitch. 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, I think yeah. that, you know, we, we can be concerned about getting into the minutia if we're coming from a sales and marketing um, angle. And, and there's, there's truth in that. There is a truth. And, you know, there's if you've got 90 seconds to talk, then that's all. That's the only interaction you get. Then you're hopefully giving some value and convincing them to consume more content. But the days of let me, you know, spend an hour with you and talk through your needs and this traditional sales. I'm not saying that there's not a, a role for that. There still is. But the the way people get to know you is over many touches. And there's been a lot of research over years about how many touches it takes to build trust and before people do business with you. And I think that you know, the modern mindset has to get away from those all have to be phone calls, you know, or those all have to be, you know, face-to-face meetings. Those touches can be created in, in a lot of different ways. That's it. You know, if, if you think about yourself as you're buying something personal, you know, how many YouTube videos are you watching of somebody who sounds and looks and is just as interested in, in, in a hobby as you are, and you're learning from that expert and you're seeing yourself in the video? It's the same in, in B2B, right? People want to see themselves in the product. People want to learn from people with their same level of experience. And that's why it's so important to tap into your community to become content creators. And then obviously your point on learning, there's so many ways that you know customers and prospects can learn about a business now, even ahead of a phone call. So you know there's kind of a known theory out there that you know the more that you produce and the easier that you're found, on all the platforms that somebody can find you, the bigger fans that somebody becomes of you. And now when they're having that first interaction, whether it's a sales phone call or whatever it might be, they're already kind of fans of your product. Now they just need to get a couple kind of technical questions answered and, and you know, their sales journey has been, been expedited heavily. So, you know, it's the power of media. And then you obviously tool, see tools like AI and I won't get ahead of the conversation, but now you see tools like AI that are literally just content machines and people are using AI now like ChatGPT to literally solve problems and give them answers. And how does ChatGPT platform or something similar get its answers? It's only from scanning content. So it's all kind of comes back to that foundation. When, you, when, you, when you're seeing different people on mm-hmm. camera and obviously yeah. the, the thing that's interesting to me about that is it, it is acknowledging that there are different types of buyers and if you're a salesperson and you're an excellent salesperson then you're you know you're almost perceiving and asking some good questions as well to clarify what type of a person am i talking to is this more of a commander type is this more of an anal- analytical type and what what did they have an emotional need for. Some people have an emotional need for more information, right? Some people have an emotional need for a more of a connection to you. And, you know, for me as a business person, I I really do love to connect to people, but I don't like the type of salesperson that just leads with relationship, relationship, relationship. I I find it insincere and I'm not interested in building 30 relationships with people I'd ever want to, I'm never going to work with. I'm much more of a get to business first. Let's make sure that there that there's a, a match here. And then I like to slow down and backfill and kind of build a bit of a relationship. And I think that you know, with these different types of folks, it allows people, you mentioned the authenticity. One of the ways that that type, that, that, that grabs me is that in different types of people, their first line of communication is their native language. Yes. 
And so when I'm looking at your content and you are an organization who has seven different people that I've seen content with, you know, I see Joshua, me speak and it's like, eh, he's all right. Then the next guy they speak and all of a sudden it's, it's someone coming from a different angle, different personality. He's, he's not seeing the big picture. He's honed in on this little area, but that really speaks to me. So it allows that person to say, oh, I really love Bill here. And, and I really connect with him. And that's the, that, that's the content that really pushes me to the next the, the connector that I need. And then maybe I'm actually circling back to Joshua and seeing what, what he has to say. So it gives me multiple lines instead of one line of connection. And here is the, the door that you have to come in. Here's the front door. You know, I think that that's the, the light bulb that came up, came up with me with, with, with seeing what you guys were doing is I tended to think is here's the front door. Let's funnel people to the front door. And now it's challenged me to really think in terms of, okay, there's, there's doors, there's windows, there's any, any way that people can get, they're going to get connected to us. They want to come yeah. to the garage. That's fine. Um, because that's going to be a more natural path for some folks. You're, you're exactly right. And to go back to your beginning point there on like the relationship based selling. I don't know if you've read the book that the challenger sale, but you know, very, very good book. Recommend it for anybody in business to read, even if you're not in sales. Cause I think no matter what role you're in, technically you, you have sales in you, but the idea of the challenger sale is it'll show you and tell you that like relationship based selling is actually one of the lowest performing ways. Cause to your point, do you, you really need another friend? When you're making a purchasing decision, especially in B2B, and you know it's a hundred thousand dollar system or a, a you know million dollar system, you don't really need a buddy in that. You need a guide, right? You need somebody who can show you the facts, educate you, make you maybe even see things in, in a way that you haven't seen before. And as a sales leader, if you can kind of be that challenger and be that guide, you're going to be way more successful. Now, how do you be a good guide? Well, you have to obviously educate them. Uh, you have to bring in other voices that aren't yours. You have to bring in the experts because that's kind of how you're going to build more trust and validity to what you're saying or what you're able to bring. And yeah, to your point, the more you have these different voices lending their expertise and you're just giving that information in an easy, consumable way, you start to challenge, you start to educate. And I think every sales leader, every business leader should see themselves really as a guide, not that persuasive salesman or not that guy who's just great at making relationships. Relationships are going to form, right? If you do a good job guiding and leading, the relationship's going to form very much like a gym trainer might form a relationship with their customer. The gym trainer is not going to be afraid to give hard facts or put them through a hard workout routine. But because of that friction, they can form a really special bond. And I think sales and, and conducting business today needs to kind of be seen in that same light. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'd like to go back to, to kind of the beginning of market scale. And okay. I want to walk through a couple of things because in, in the conversations you've had before, you had, you know, some pretty interesting times of tough times of what, what do we do now? And is this going to work? And, you know, you also kind of alluded to a few things where market scale became, was, was different than you expected. And I, and of course that's, that's to, I, I, that's almost to be expected. Is you know you come out we come out with you come out with you know an expectation of the market and you find out that that the market is changing. And by the way, you didn't know everything about it to begin with. And now as you put something out there, a minimum viable product, for example, and then you begin to work through it and you find out that there's some areas in the market that you didn't see. So I would love to to, to kind of walk through that. But take me back to the very beginning of what 
what market scale was trying to be and what what it was what it was created the gap to fill and then don't 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 take me there too fast but i kind of got to understand how it changed and what caused it to change along that journey and, and what you learned because i think that's really where, 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 where i will learn a lot and our viewers will learn a lot is what did you learn along the way that made you kind of change that journey so take me back to the beginning how, how did market scale get, get started Oh boy. Uh, all right. I, I can go the long road or the short path and then build from there. So just cut me off if you need, but, uh, no. So we, uh, we started in, uh, 2015, the summer of 2015. And, uh, my brother and I, Ben, um, he's my older brother, uh, previous life, we had come from the B2B advertising world. That was our knowledge and expertise in B2B was, was creating non-news revenues with associations and, uh, essentially selling ads in, in association publications, whether it's their buyer's guide, newsletter, and, and so on. Uh, when we started market scale, I mean, I, I can't tell you how off the you know script it was in regards to what you would learn uh, in an MBA program on, on how to start a business or even just business 101. Uh, when we started market scale, we started with literally zero outside investors, not a single penny coming from uh, anybody outside of us. Uh, really, we started market scale without even a formal business plan. We didn't have a, an official business plan. Uh, we just had a vision. And our vision was kind of what we're seeing today in, in the market. But this was, I guess, you know, eight years ago now. We thought, look, the best way currently for companies to be able to get their product or brand or company, whatever you want to call it, in front of their, their customers are through a bunch of ads, right? And the more ads you buy, no matter what style it is, you know, you, it's all about impressions and click-through rate. And we just thought, look, that isn't that sustainable, right? It's big budgets for temporary access to customers or exposure to customers. And, you know, people don't even really want to be persuaded to buy, which is kind of what ads can be seen as. They want to be educated. So we thought, okay, how can we help companies truly become more of a platform, maybe become their own publication where they can educate and, and engage their customers? So, we uh, went to breakfast. I, I remember uh, we met at a little local breakfast diner here at, at 7 a.m. And we that was the question. We were like, all right, how do we solve this? And uh, before we really even had a main product, you know, we had a couple things. We had maybe some signed partnerships up with little tech platforms that we could resell. But we literally just called and we surveyed marketers, essentially. Um, my brother and I, we were at his house. We were in his back office and we were just calling. And uh, when we got a marketer on, we really had no point other than to just talk to them. Hey, what pain points do you have? You know, what's something that you've been needing? What's something that you're looking for? How are you looking to scale? And uh, from what kind of just gathering and having good conversations at that point in 2015, we learned that marketers were in desperate need of creating content. They are in desperate need of uh, turning their website to be more of it to an educational platform. They're in a desperate need to use social media more because, again, this was 2015. And uh, we just thought, OK, well, let's kind of start with helping them write blogs and, and write case studies. And at that point, you know, inbound with HubSpot was the big movement. Right. So it was all about inbound. And to get inbound, you needed good content. So that was kind of what we attached ourselves to first, because we needed to create revenue. Right. When, when you start a business and you have no outside capital, you you have to start selling. And uh, I think the healthiest thing that we did was when we sat at that breakfast and we sat on day one, it was my brother's really initial idea. He just said, hey, Tim, look, we've got this pot of money that 
that we have ourselves that we're going to put into this business. And when that hits zero, when that hit zero dollars, we are done. We're not going to raise outside money. We're not going to ask parents or family for money. We have a clear vision. We have very little to get by, but it just means we have to create something good and we have to sell and then we have to retain. So I think making that pact was probably the healthiest thing that we could ever do because we knew there was no fallback. Every minute of the day counted. When you got a client, serving that client was the most important thing because you know the best way to create profitability is retain your customers. And uh, you know, one thing led to another, but that was you know probably the first year of of that vision was making that pact, finding what marketers wanted, creating something that could sell, and then retaining those clients by serving. And uh, it was fun. You know, I think back to those days in the moment you're grinding and and you know it's tough and it's hard and it's uncertain and you're scared. Uh, but I look back and I think literally those are some of the best days of my life because I got to build something special with my brother and literally take something from zero to one, uh, which I think is a pretty cool concept. So one of the things I like that you kind of alluded to was you didn't start with what you wanted to do. It actually sounds like you started with, hey, there's a bit of, we kind of recognize that there's a, that there's a problem here, maybe an opportunity. And we didn't assume that we knew it all. We said, okay, we, we think we are on to something and let's, let's talk to people that can either confirm us or tell us we're crazy. And then, <laughs> and you found that there was some gaps there and then you created your offering. Uh, you basically, they basically told you what to sell. Uh, a little bit at that time. Yeah. At that time. But yeah. At that moment uh, in time. Because we needed that. The way we created capital was, was selling, right? We, we had yeah. to, create money to, to afford to hire people. You know, I, I kind of have a theory with business and I'd actually like your take too. I think oftentimes, you know, people are kind of mistaken around, you know, entrepreneurs and, and founders and they think, oh my gosh, you must, you know, you made this sports product. You must just love sports or, oh my gosh, you made the CRM platform. You must just love tech and, and the idea of sales. I don't think the best businesses are often found on, on a passion. Um, or that's your key interest. I think oftentimes the best businesses are found in something where you say, hey, this, this is broken. Like there's a better way. There, there should be a better way to do this. Let's create the lane and let, let's, let's pave this road and, and allow a movement to form behind it. And that's kind of how my brother and I started market scale. You know, we weren't all gung ho saying, oh my gosh, we just, you know, we're marketers. We love marketing. Um, it was really more, hey, we love B2B. And we want B2B to have this thriving ecosystem, but the current format of how companies are spending their money to try to create sales is broken. There's got to be a better way. And uh, we kind of built the company on that vision. And then, yeah, to your point, yeah, we kind of surveyed marketers just to find, hey, what can we do now that drives value? Because as a business that's not taking outside capital, we have to create dollars to be able to keep the lights on and hire then at that point, right, we were pretty fortunate. We had a really good first year. And uh, then the second year, we literally doubled it. And at that point, we had, you know, sales teams and, and client service teams. And at that point, we were like, okay, now that we've got some capital, now we can start installing our vision and, and what we know is, is going to come into play. And, you know, the last six years has just been literally pure product development. Uh, with the biggest coming in the last year and a half with with Market Scale Studio, but yeah, that first initial that was that was how it got started. Yeah, this this reminds me of uh, I'll, I'll have students, and as you know, I've taught in the entrepreneurship yep. 
at, at Baylor and I'll have students oftentimes, you know, cause a lot of my experience and things drips in, that's the whole point of me being there is the drips into the lessons and things like that. And a lot of times students will ask me, you know, I'm thinking about entrepreneurship. Um, how do I get started? And then, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm passionate about. That's the, one of the biggest things I've, I, as well, I don't, I don't know what I'm passionate about yet. I'm trying to figure out what I'm passionate about. And I say, forget passion right now. Like you're trying to learn how to be an entrepreneur and uh, entrepreneurs have to create revenue. Uh, that That's it. So I, I try to really simplify this advice and say, find a way to generate $5,000 per month in revenue. Because, you know, as a student, come, you know, you're 20 years old, 21, 22, 23 years old. It's like, hey, I want you to get to $5,000 per month of revenue. How? Well, I don't know what I'm passionate about. doesn't matter. You're going to learn a lot about business getting like don't worry about fashion worry about you know, once you know how, how how businesses work and you've had some experience you've actually had the pain of building up to this amount of revenue and then when you get to five when you get to five thousand dollars a month of revenue you're gonna learn you're, you'll have learned so much and had exposure to so many things and by then you might have found something that you're passionate about. And if not, maybe you've got a bug about building businesses and you say, well, honestly, this getting to five and now I see an easy route to 10 and we're going to double this. And now you're at 10 and, you know, you start kind of building these things and your passion will develop because you'll be exposed to things. And then with that experience, then you're looking for holes in the market. You're looking for what is the market asking for? And that's really kind of where I hear, where I hear you saying is, the market was, we found something that the market was saying, this is something we would pay for because we need this and we don't have it and we would pay for it. And you say, well, I can sell that. And then as you do that, you didn't actually start with a, with a specific, I'm going to do this because I'm passionate. You found something that you could do and create revenue and generate value with that revenue, because obviously if you're not generating value, value through that revenue and then serving your clients, then it's a dead end. Right. It's not, it sounds like it was not a, you know, we, we, we've joined together in a kumbaya of how we're going to save the world in this, this, this great passion of ours that we love so much. Uh, but in speaking with you, know, you know, with you, um, it seems like there's been quite a bit, a bit of passion that's been generated around that. Uh, what, what, what is the source of your, um, what, what is driving you at this point now that you've got something that that's up and running? Yeah. You know, I, it's become a, a core passion, right? It started off solving a, a problem and challenge. And now literally what we're doing, uh, is I literally see as, as a life mission. Um, and you know, my passion's really coming from, from transforming B2B, you know, for so long B2B and I've been guilty of it. We all have B2B has been you know, very suit and tie and, and, you know, very stoic and there is no emotion. Everything has to be technically perfect. And, you know, how you kind of live in, in the B2B world is totally different than how you live in, in, you know, your personal life. And what market scale is kind of all about and, and what we're passionate about is saying, hey, look, be the same person, right? If if you're a, you know, Dave Matthews band uh, fan and, and you're going to those concerts, you know, on a Saturday night, you know, show up Monday and, and be that same guy at the concert, be your authentic self and, and let that show in, in how you communicate. And as, as you do that and, and your employees and colleagues all compound on that, you know, good things are going to happen. You're, you're going to build a thriving community that feels real and, and feels bigger than, than what your company is. And, 
And that's that's where I get my passion, right? On on more of the client side of things where I, I spend my day. My favorite thing, what I look forward to every day is being able to have good quality conversations with businesses and really just kind of shine a light on this idea that we can empower everybody in organization to become creators. It's okay if they're not the most camera ready people, just let them be their authentic self and just trust that by allowing them to do that and doing it at scale, you're going to just save a lot of money. You're going to create a lot of growth. You're going to create, you know, a fan base uh, out of your community. And, and it's, it's really, it's really become a, a passion. And um, I'd say that passion really started to click, um, you know, a couple of years ago, especially as we developed our own platform, Market Skill Studio, because uh, that was our first tech, right? Before uh, we were selling more services, um, you know, I think in like 2019, leading into 2020, we were doing like 500 on-site video productions around the world. And it was pretty amazing, like literally on the same day we could be filming in Dubai and China and in Brazil. And uh, when then when 2020 hits, obviously the world shuts down. Uh, you know, there was a moment there at market scale where we said, oh my gosh, the, you know, the way we serve our customers with the scalable on-site video solution and affordable international video is gone because you, you can't send, you know, camera operator one and two and three into a, a facility right now. And uh, that's when a, a challenge started to become, I think, really fun. And I know speaking for me personally, I started to see, okay, you know, this is, this is a real change within me where the mission just got stronger. And now my purpose is to help, you know, lead a light for B2B in, in such an uncertain time. So, you know, the, the thought of, of B2B this way, I, I, I'm going to slow down on that. You think about, you know, it's, it's, it's used to being buttoned up and we have a very specific way of almost a cadence, I guess, that you're supposed to conduct these things in. What would you say to the person that says, you know, I don't know that that doesn't sound, I, I don't, I don't want to be, I want to be professional, you know, and I know that that's not, I don't think that's a, <laughs> a that it's not the opposite of what you're saying. You know, professional is not the, is not the opposite of, of authenticity. So I don't want to answer my own question here, but you know, I think there would be a fear of some of, of being unprofessional in, 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 in this authenticity. How do how do you, how do you, how do you conceptualize that, that fear of being too un, unprofessional and trying to be authentic? Right. I would say just listen to the words that you're saying, right? As long as what you are saying, you know, is accurate and is timely, that's all that really matters, right? It, it doesn't matter the delivery, if it's a little bit off, if, if you're stuttering, whatever it might be, is what you're saying honest and accurate? And, and is it timely information that your community needs to listen to? Um, I'll also answer that with a, a story. Uh, and it's probably going to less tackle the fear, but more just, a, I think, a good example that shows it. You know, we do, like I mentioned, you know, hundreds of video productions around the world. We still do now that, you know, COVID's over, our crew's still all over. And we have filmed at literally some of the biggest, most expensive facilities and corporate headquarters in the world. And we've created some amazing videos, um, you know, drones in 4K. And, you know, it took a month or two to plan and it took a month or two to edit. And, you know, we'll post it. Our clients will post it. And it's amazing content, right? It'll literally win awards. It's, it's telly award-winning content. But you look at it and you look at the views and you look at the data and you look at the engagement and it's, it's fine. It's good. But then something we'll do is we'll take, for example, 
with the diesel shortage uh, that took place around, you know, the holiday season and obviously the issues around all the logistics and trucking that we that we've seen over the past years. We'll literally take a truck driver who will take out his iPhone. He'll record a video of himself literally in, in the cabin of the truck and he will just say, hey, these are the sights and sounds that I'm seeing from the road. I'm doing this cross country trip. I'm going to have a total of 12 stops. I'm six stops along the way. And this is what I'm seeing. These are the sounds that I hear. And we'll post that content. It is literally nothing more than a hardworking truck driver in his cabin with his thoughts and an iPhone. And we'll just put a little bit of editing to it, little logos, little branding, and uh, we'll post that. And because it's timely, because it's coming from literally the best source you could think of, not the CEO of a logistics company, but literally the truck driver of a logistics company, it'll literally get 30, 40, 50,000 views in its first week or two. And that's the power of community, right? We give the voice to that truck driver who never gets to be seen or never gets to be heard. And we say, hey, you've got, you know, your hands are calloused. Uh, your back's sore from, from driving on the road. What are you seeing? And I don't think there's a more authentic, trustworthy source. And I would tell you that when we create content like that, that is the best video that we've ever done or ever do in B2B. It's not that polished up video that was, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Which is it's comforting if you're if you're a business and you're thinking you know like we're we're not ready for this in one day and yeah. this is goals this is once we get this done and this done and this done and this done you know I think the other thing too is you you, you when you think about this as getting started you ha almost have this attitude as you know you're you're not going on the evening news you're not going on you know well I guess Tucker Carlson's not a bad person anymore you know you're not going on Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maydow or something like that where you know a million people are going to see you immediately it's uh you're you're building a community and you're building viewership and things like that and so you know you're actually getting the opportunity to hey you know there's the fact that you're not great at this is actually not such a bad thing and it's almost like reversing your you know the expectation is well I'm not great at it it's like that's kind of the point of it is you're not super polished and you're not great at it and as you and you will get better at it you right. will get better at it but part of it is the authenticity of just getting out there and doing it and um, exactly and take the lessons that that we see in our personal life right I'll 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 just you know I could use a dozen of these I'll, I'll use one that's timely Obviously, football season is rolling up. We're seeing these preseason games. And I'm in Dallas, so I'll take the Dallas Cowboys. You know, what is a better marketing approach for the Dallas Cowboys? Literally, probably a top three recognized sports brand in the world. Do they want all their content creation coming from, let's say, their, their dozen marketers that they have? And it's always these planned video shoots and these planned photo shoots. Or do they want C.D. Lamb? Do they want Dak Prescott? Do they want these players whipping out their iPhones, making content from training camp, you know, making content, you know, from their workouts and now sharing that on their own Twitter, their own Instagram. And then, you know, the Cowboys will then take that and they'll distribute it to, you know, their followers. They love it because in the end, right, the, the fans are fans of these players and they want to kind of form personal relationships with these players. So when these players create this authentic content, that's some of the best marketing material ever that the Dallas Cowboys could use. It's not that big, expensive shoot that that took forever to plan. And then let's go a step further, right? Every time that the Dallas Cowboys have a game, there are 100,000 marketers working for them. Because you have to think, right? Their stadium holds probably 100,000, maybe a little bit more, but 100,000 people. And what are those 100,000 people doing? 
they're taking photos, they're taking videos, they're posting it on their Instagram stories, they're sharing it out on their Facebook, they're texting it to their friends and family. And now literally they have a hundred thousand marketers that are sharing it with people who aren't at that game. Now that's reminding people that the game are on. It's reminding people to pick up that jersey for their, you know, dad's birthday coming up. It's reminding people to purchase those tickets. It's giving them the idea to purchase that corporate suite for, you know, their their president's club, whatever it might be. And you just tap into your community, do your marketing for you. And that's that's where B2B needs to get. B2B needs to say, okay, we're gonna have these big professional shoots and we're gonna have some awesome online learning content and case studies, but our engineers can create fans for our business. Our sales team can create fans for our business. Our customers can do our marketing for us by us being a platform for them to share their voice and they can engage our company, not just when they use our product, but by being a thought leader on us. And that's where I, th I think B2B is headed or that's where we're trying to pave the road and, and what our passion is here. So, so, you know, I want to get into to, to the execution because, you know, I think yeah. as a concern is, you know, I, we've all been, I, I grew up a, I think we're about the same age. Um, I grew up, a, a, I think I grew up, but Facebook was invented while I was still in college. So still, still undergrad. And literally when it was in beta, it was 10 schools and I was introduced to, uh, to Facebook. So I've been, been on since the first month and, you know, and so, you know, you, then, then you, you grow up with it and then you get in the business world and people are starting to do, you know, Facebook was the first one that everybody started businesses started wanting to be involved in. And, you know, you go to an event or something and the person who's over marketing says, Hey, you know, can you get me a couple of pictures for social media? This is the typical, what you hear. And so everybody's told, you know, you got six people going to a conference and everyone's told before they leave, Hey, make sure you get me a couple of pictures for, for social media. Maybe maybe you have one person that takes a couple of pictures, you know, that are the very canned group pictures or something like that, or it's somebody on stage from, from, from a hundred yards away, you know, get these terrible shots and, you know, and so everything becomes just canned, you know, or you with a, with a meme saying, you know, Merry Christmas or something, because no one can ever you know, you know, do these things. And the marketers get frustrated because it's, you know, I, I want things for social media and I want, uh, I want I want something that's interactive, and I want you to be yourself. And but then no one does it, and I think that would be a concern for a lot of folks. Is you know, yeah, I can I can give them a product for for this, but how do you actually? What process do you provide that gets people involved in actually doing the things using the tool? That you paid for because that's always a, that's a big concern for a lot of companies is i want to pay for oh yeah and us not end up using it whether it's a crm or anything else so how do you how do you drive that engagement you have to create culture change so um and, and you just kind of have to trust the process so for example when we work with a client we have a very sweet onboarding process onboarding in market skills eyes is you know three to four weeks um and, and it's heavy training it's heavy teaching and uh, it's getting users in the platform. So when we want to get users in the platform after we teach and stuff, we'll usually start with an immediate video, right? We'll create a fun video with, with the company and it'll just show people the ease of it, right? It, it creates, you know, tech can be scary at first, but after you try it and you realize how easy it is, it can kind of eliminate the fears or, or the excuses somebody might have. So we do a nice training and teaching. And then our goal is, hey, let's create a video quickly and, and just show you and let's, let's get the team in the platform. 
Second, education, right? The uh, tech is fine and, and platforms are great, but people need to be able to, to be educated ongoing. People need to be able to be given ideas on what they can create or what they should be creating. So we obviously have an extensive amount of uh, on-demand libraries that you know companies can use to spark ideas for their content creation or an individual can use to spark ideas for, for their specific role that they can kind of model and mirror. And then we just have to just know that there's going to be the natural flow, right? No matter what tech, whether it's a streaming platform like Netflix or, you know, product like an iPhone, which is the most used product in the world, I think you have the natural curve, right? You have the early adopters that are going to jump in and know the power of it early and, and are going to be big fans of it. And then, you know, you have people that kind of catch up and, and start using it, uh, you know, on kind of normal schedule. And then you have the laggards, right? And the laggards eventually come to it. Anytime you introduce new tech or a new concept like we have, we're going to have that that curve. So we believe that if we can teach early, we can get a lot of people in the platform and show how easy it is and then really trust those early adopters to bring the rest of the tech wave, then the product's going to be used. Um, and yeah, that that is an ongoing challenge no matter who you are, right? You have to have subscribers, you have to have people platform is only as good as, as it's being used. And that's why something that we do is unique is we say everything's unlimited. So, you know, when a company that we work with that, you know, I won't name one, but like a, a fortune 25 company is in our platform, we're not afraid of them having 5,000, 10,000 users in it. You know, yeah, sure. It might be less profitable because they're using the platform and, and they're using our services, you know, heavily. That's what we want, right? We want to be a tool that becomes integrated into their day-to-day, -day, you know, uh, tool belt, uh, if you will. And uh, yeah, by doing things like saying, hey, it's unlimited users, unlimited media creation, go, we've got this, we've got unlimited scalability, little things like that just help make it more deployable because now you can have more users in the platform and let that kind of tech wave and early adopter wave take over at that point. I think that's interesting too, because, you know, I, I think one big takeaway that I hear from yeah. this is you don't really you might know, especially if you're a huge firm, but even if you're a small firm, you might have an idea of, of, of who's going to be involved in this and you want everybody sure, but there can be folks you didn't really expect that you would not have been able to interview for this or whatever. And some catch on fast, some catch, catch on, you know, uh, somewhat slowly, but you're going to let them kind of self-select who's good at this and with some, and with some, or who can get good at this. And that's, that's where expectations come in as well. I think, one of the hard things about this is people. And I say, and this is not any age group. I think that the amount of people that try new things after age 18 is, is sad. I think that, you know, it's like we get out of high school and we've decided what we're good at. And then we get out of college and we've definitely decided what we're good at. And few people are willing to be not great at something. They want, they, they're comfortable with things we're comfortable with. And, you know, that challenge of, hey, you know, this is something that normal everyday people that have never done it before are doing. And the first time they do it, they're not great. They're decent, you know, and it's kind of, you know, you were, you were a baseball player, you and your brother both. Uh, you played at the University of Texas and uh, you played, played at uh, Auburn University War Eagle. You see my helmet, helmet, helmet on there. Um, you know, and when you're teaching a kid to, 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 to play baseball, you know, there's not a lot to it that first time. You know, you put them up there and they got the bat and it's, you know, maybe you put the ball on a tee and it's just swing the bat, swing it, 
swing it and then we'll coach it and keep swinging it. And then a little bit of coaching, a little bit of coaching. And, you know, I think as adults, sometimes we have this attitude that, you know, I'm not a golfer and I want to be, I'm going to take some lessons and I could sit down and read a book about golf and I could read another book about golf and then watch 50 videos online from professionals teaching me golf. Bottom line is I have, Wasted a lot of time because there's, I can understand everything about golf and pass a, te- a written test about golf. That doesn't mean that I can get that ball to that hole in less than 30 strokes, you know, um, because I've not done it. And you learn so much from, hey, just just do it. And, and I think with, with things like this, I will set expectations with uh, whether employees or with students of, hey, your first rep at this if you if, if you are 50% of where you need to be, that's wonderful. Like if you're just halfway there, in other words, you got you got the words out, you got the words out, and you may have mumbled, but you pushed the button and it got recorded and, and you ended it, that you you're halfway there. You you this is this is the worst one you'll ever do. You got the worst one out of the way, and now it's only gonna, gonna go up from there. And I think just kind of setting those expectations from the human element, you know, take a deep breath. None of us are professionals. And by the way, that's what we're trying to go for is, is, is something that's more often authentic. We want you, I'm asking you to be on camera because of you, the way you are now, not the way you're supposed to be. And that's, and that's it too. And, and your point, you know, conversation that I have all the time with CEOs when they say, well, you know, my, my company, my, my employees aren't used to doing this. I say, what are you talking about? They do this all the time. You know, what we're kind of bringing to B2B is no different than what people do in their personal life, right? Let's take that average person in B2B. You know, what are they doing on the weekends? They're going to their kids, you know, soccer games and, and they're pulling out their iPhones and they're getting videos uh, of the game, they're getting photos, they're on their family vacations, they're getting photos and videos of the kids in the pool and at the museum. We're always creating. That's the thing, right? The magic of, of these smartphones and tech is we have the ability to all become creators. We're just saying, hey, we're already posting and creating content in our personal life. Now just do it in your professional life and, and just talk about the things that you're an expert in. And, and if you just trust the message and what you're saying is accurate and timely, the quality of the video is going to be awesome. You know, editing can make anything look pretty good, but people are going to become fans of what you're saying. Not, not necessarily the perfect polished 4k video that took too long to get out. Now the message isn't timely. So a lot of what we're kind of asking B2B to do is, is already being done in our personal lives. It's just breaking that, it's breaking that wall. And that's, that's, that's the challenge, right? And that's, that's what we look forward to every day is breaking that wall and, and, and leading this movement. Um, I don't know if you've seen this video, but on the word of movement, have you seen that video of uh, that like crazy guy dancing at some concert on a hill, and, and it's how a movement starts? Have you seen that? I don't think so. I'll have to check. Oh man, it's awesome. We'll have to drop a link to it here, but uh, it's really cool. In, in three minutes, you see how a movement starts, and uh, it's this kind of zany guy. They're at some concert, probably look, you know a bunch of college kids, and he's dancing, and he's literally by himself dancing, and. Uh, you know, people are videoing them because it's kind of comical, right? This is kind of crazy guy dancing. Well, out of nowhere, the second guy runs up to dance along with them. I don't know if the guy was trying to be goofy to dance with them or was passionate about it too and wanted to dance, but the second guy comes to dance. And 
then what does that bring almost immediately? The third, the fourth, the fifth. And then by the end of the three minutes, little you were weird if you weren't dancing. And there was a mosh pit of people dancing. And the movement idea is about, it's not that first guy dancing that starts the movement. It's actually the second one because the second one validates that what this person's doing is safe or has momentum or is a good thing. And now it starts to create the wave of people. And that's kind of, I, I, the reason I bring that up is that's kind of how I see, you know, the idea of authentic community generated content. You're not going to have everybody jump in and launch their own podcast right away or make their own product videos right away, but you're going to have a few. And those few, those are going to be the ones who really kind of compound and lead the movement. And then eventually it's going to be, well, you're kind of weird if you're, if you're not doing it. And, uh, and, uh, that, that's what, that's what excites me is, is the future is so bright for, for B2B and, and I'm just, I just so glad to be a fan of it and, and uh, be able to be a part of it. So I, I love that. I love that, that the idea of, of the validation of people, yeah. people need validate, people need validation. And there are mm -hmm. people, if you've, um, I'm sure you probably heard of the book, The Tipping Point. He does a great job, Malcolm Gladwell, of talking about how you get your early adapters and then your math and then your let laggards and, you know, finding those. Uh, early adapters and getting them moving, and then others. Once they see that validation, then they're then they're going to go to the next thing. Um, I want to talk to me about you know I think we've talked about some some big level stuff, and we, but I, give talk to me about a, a business or a couple of businesses, maybe some anecdotes about. I want to hear about a business that surprise that almost surprised. I mean, I know you're you're the one selling this, but you were like, man, this is even better than I thought, and. There, or, or this is a business that is definitely not the type of business that you would think would make sense for video. You know, people don't <laughs> think of this, this type of business. So this is right for this, but not type of this. Yeah. Give me, give me some anecdotes from some businesses that, that, that would not be expected to be benefiting from something like this. Yeah. I'll, I'll save using their name, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you what they do. So we have a client. They manufacture valves and fuel pumps that go into aircraft carriers, fire trucks, airplanes, like submarines, uh, basically anything, any vehicle like that. And uh, they, they have this podcast and it's not just, I guess, a podcast. It's like four. They have one for ground fueling. They have one for uh, air fueling. They have one for marine fueling. And uh, it is some of the most technical B2B content you've ever seen in your life. And the reason this comes to mind is you wouldn't think that a valve manufacturer would put so much emphasis into building a podcast and then taking all these engineers and experts and getting their voice heard, but they've done it so much that they literally have a, a handful of, of shows. There is one guest who comes on more than any other guest. Uh, his name is Roger. Uh, he is an older gentleman definitely on the, the very back years of, of his engineering career. And Roger is on podcast after podcast after podcast. And, you know, Roger is not the demo that you would assume as a podcast listener or maybe the biggest tech user. But what Roger is, is he is a valve specialist. And there is nobody better at talking about a 39A triple action air valve than Roger. And their community loves it because you've got this engineer who's literally had a 50-year career building these systems. And now he has a platform to engage and excite and teach and lend his voice to the sales team. And, you know, as he retires, 
the new engineers coming in have all this material that we're able to learn from Roger. And it's almost like Sandlot. If you remember that movie where Babe Ruth says, you know, heroes are remembered, kid, but legends never die. He's going to become a legend by how much he's, he's been teaching. But uh, that's what's so cool about B2B, right, is, is you have dozens of these stories like this valve manufacturer and Roger, and every company can do it, right? Every company has that. You just have to give them a chance, right? I, I, I would imagine when they signed up with MarketScale, they were not expecting Roger to be the, the legend that formed, but they gave him a chance and they found out that the community really enjoyed learning from him. And it was a great way to celebrate him, right? A guy who's been behind the scenes his whole career is now front and center and all over social media. So um, that's a story that I love to tell. And, and I'm really glad that, that you asked that question because I think there could be a lot more Rogers out there because I, I see them every day. I think there's also... I had made this from, I can't remember what podcast I was, I was listening to at this point, mm -hmm. which I could think of it, but it was a topic that uh, I am not uh, an expert at, but I have, I've done some research and I know something about, it. I think it was, it was something health related. And I'm, I'm, I'm something I find myself rather conversant at. And, and I was listening to this one, this one guy and I'm just thinking, man, I mean, he's just, he goes so much deeper and passionate and 50 levels deep. And, you know, if, if this is, a, this is, this is an area where the average person is one level deep and I've, I've actually put some work into learning it. So I go three, that's so why I go three levels deep and this guy's going to level 50 and it's like, you know, I, I can't even understand everything he's saying. I'm, I'm getting bits and pieces of it, but I have decided very quickly that this company is, this is what they do and they're passionate and they know what they're doing. And so it is, there is nothing about that, that, that he's selling me in this particular video, but I've decided that they know what they're doing. And if I had someone doing this for me in a particular, in this particular way, these are the guys that I want doing it because they go deeper than me. They know more than I do. I trust they know more than I do. It's clear that they're passionate about it. And, um, and, and I didn't understand everything that they were saying. And I, I didn't, and yeah, I think that's pretty interesting to think about that is you can actually gain a benefit from someone that actually may be going over some people's heads because yeah. of what it signals to, to clients. That's, that's exactly it. And, they probably didn't know at that time, you know, or at any point at this stage in their career that they were going to have this channel where they could influence folks like you, right? Smart guys like you uh, by just letting their passion shine through and, and media and video is the only way to do it. And, and uh, that's why it's just going to continue to to grow and, and evolve in all the different ways and, and lanes that, that we've seen it doing it. Another thing that, that, that comes up to me is I, I think that people have the perception that when you're doing a video that the goal is to go viral and we want everyone to see it and how do you go how do you go viral how do you go viral how do you go viral how do you get more people how do you get people to send it how do you get people to pass it along and you know i think that you know that's that's kind of like the idea of how do you become an nba all-star you know, it's like that's okay. There's only what 300 guys in the world even make it to the NBA. You know, something like that. In the world, there's 300, maybe 400 players, and the All Star game, 20. You know, or yeah. And so it's you know this it's the amount of videos that are being produced. You know, something actually going viral. And by the way, 
the term viral is way overused. You know, somebody gets 10,000 views and says they went viral. For me, that would be viral. But, uh, you know, for the average person, that's viral. But no, viral to me is, yeah, it's, to me, viral is millions of, of views. And, you know, you don't actually have to go viral. You don't have to have a mass appeal. You don't have to be, you know, the funny TikTok video. You don't have to be getting Kim Kardashian numbers or, or whatever to get traction in your business and to build your reputation. So how do you help um, taking that as a given? And I, I think that's, it, it, it's, it's saying a lot to take it as a given because that's a lesson that's hard to understand. You don't need to go viral. You don't need to have, you don't even need to have thousands of views to, to significantly impact your business. So when you're setting expectations with businesses, how do you talk about these things in a world where they're seeing, well, this person got millions of views, this person got thousands of views. How do you teach folks to, to think about success of their videos? Well, naturally, B2B is, is a little bit different, right? Because usually you have a, an audience that can only be so big, a customer base, right? You might be selling 5G solutions and, and your audience are, let's say, government municipalities. And there's only so much that you can do, right, in regards to who can afford you and, and, and the groups that are ready for that sort of technology. So I think it's having a general consensus of what is kind of the size of your audience and what is most important to you. Um, that's kind of first. Second is really just track the data, right? Track, track the measurement. Um, you know, ask people as they're going through the buyer's journey, how did they find you? Or uh, what did they find was most helpful? Um, you know, I'll, I'll answer it with a personal story. I, I do my own show uh, every week. It's called B2B Weekly. And my show fluctuates, right? Although it's meant for all of B2B and I technically could have, right? It's an audience that could have you know, a million people tune in. It's not nearly as exciting to have a million people tune in, but it could be communicated to that many people or more. Um, but I'll have, you know, in one week, I'll have 150 join. Another week, I'll have 30 join, right? Not that very, very, very small and, and, and not that large at all. But it's who's in there, right? I'll look at that list after who joins my live show and I'll see out of those, let's say 30, I'll use a smaller number, 10 of them are, are current clients, who just had a really healthy touch point who just learned something. So how I basically just had 10 meetings with, with, with 10 different businesses, you know, five will be prospects, people who are thinking about signing on with market scale. And then the rest will be people who I didn't think never probably ever knew market scale existed. And we just expanded our brand into them. And now we've got their emails and we could, you know, let them know future shows and put them on newsletter subscriptions that we have and, and, and let them now see market scales and educational resource. And it's just compounding, right? You have to realize that, you know, anything that that is worth something that has value, you don't do something once, you don't go viral once, you don't have a ton of viewership once, you're not a one-hit wonder, you you compound, right? You look at a musician, there's one-hit wonders all the time who have that one song, one that comes to mind um, was Daniel Powder, uh, Bad Day, if you remember that song, like 2006. Uh, guy never created anything else after that. Uh, but he had one viral song. Then you look at a, you know, an artist who started around the same time. I think Taylor Swift probably started around that same time. And she has just compounded success after success after success. Obviously, Taylor Swift is the epitome of content creation and, and community building. But she still kind of has that, that niche audience a, a little bit. But yeah, it's just kind of showing and, and explaining, hey, look, this is B2B. It's not, it's not, you're not Taylor Swift. 
uh, who's important in your audience, what do you want an audience to gain from your content, and then it's just kind of diving into the numbers. For me, if I put on a show that gets 30 people a week, sure, it's not the most people, but the way I look at who visited, it's hugely meaningful. Um, you know, even if I had a show I did once where we had a prospective client and conversations were going fine, they, they were going fine. Uh, she joined my show and I got a phone call after and she said, oh my gosh, Tim, what you're doing, I get it. You know, you were lending your voice to create this show and this content for market scale and you're educating and you're not a marketer. And she said, our leaders need to do this. And it was a light bulb moment. And that that one show alone, if she was the only person that joined, would have been worth it because not only did it create revenue for market scale, but we just turned a light bulb on for an enterprise B2B company. And now the way that they're growing and the way that they're communicating is has been changed forever. And that's that's the most meaningful to me is is what that could spark. Yeah, you're 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 giving your there's so many things that uh, it's it's almost like, you know, you you explaining what you're going to do to someone or sorry, someone it's what and then now it's like okay tim shut up stop talking to me and let me just watch you have a conversation let me actually watch you do it you know um and i go back to the baseball analogy is you know if you were to be if you were to become a coach and it's like hey i played baseball at texas and i did this and i did this and i'll teach your son or daughter how to do xyz and it's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And they say, you know, well, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And like, hey, you know what? Actually, I'm about to start a session right now. You can sit over there. And they sit over there and watch. And they see you go through it. And they, okay, I see. I see what he's actually doing. Everything I just watched happen. I, I listened to the conversation he had with this, with this child. I watched him coach. I watched him correct. I watched him encourage. I saw him do it. And... I actually that, that filled in all the gaps. I had all, all I had in my mind was a couple of bullets and they, they don't, they're not completely cohesive, but once I saw it in action, now it, now it actually makes sense. And it's, uh, it, it's several touch points that I got to relax and take in at my point. And by the way, I got to pause it when I got a phone call come in or, you know, uh, was driving somewhere and I paused it and I picked it up later. I had to do it on my time. You know, I didn't listen straight through or, or, or whatever. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's thoughtful. You, you, you create, you, you allow people to approach your product or your service at their own leisure, um, yeah. on their own time and in a much less, uh, anxious and time intensive way. Yeah. Meet, meet them where they are, meet them where they are. And, uh, you know, just trust authenticity and, and you literally can't go wrong. It's, 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 I hate to make it that simple, but, but it really is, is that simple. It's just seeing that mindset or having that mindset. Well, Tim, I want you to, to take a few minutes here and, um, and polish up that crystal ball. Cause I want to, I want to <laughs> oh, hear, boy. I want to hear what's next. You know, what do you, what are you seeing right now? And, you know, um, the, the further you look out, the blurrier it gets. But but where do you see things going or where do you see traction? And this could be big picture. It could be small picture. But give us an idea and your expertise of, of, of maybe what do you see coming or maybe things that you're starting to kind of think about and plan for in your business, things that are coming out because you're trying to to put to use the uh Wayne Gretzky quote, you know, skate to where the puck is going. Skate to where the puck is going. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I'll speak to B2B first. Um, I think the use of, of tech and content in, in unique ways uh, is, is only going to be, um, you know, growing or, or escalating, you know, more and more. Um, I'll speak to trade shows, right? We, we've seen the trade show world dominate for years. Then we see COVID totally disrupt it. And then they bounce back so strong. Uh, I have a colleague at a trade show at the Dallas Convention Center next door right now with thousands of attendees. Uh, but you look at that model, I think there's going to be some disruption there where, you know, instead of companies shipping these huge products uh, into this convention, it's going to be a lot more tech involved. Uh, you know, you look at companies like uh, Apple launching the Apple headset where you can have this amazing, you know, AR, VR experience. I, I think we're going to see companies adopting more AR and VR at things like trade shows and cutting costs that way. And then in their sales approach, allowing customers to literally engage with with the product in an AR, VR format. So I think that is one of the biggest areas of growth. So if you see anything, talk anyone talking AR, VR, that's somebody you, you definitely want to have on, on your podcast. Um, obviously, AI, you know, we're seeing the power of AI and being able to be integrated and it's, you know, elevating so many roles. Uh, we're just we're just at the surface of, of AI and what that's going to be able to do to build content and, you know, share knowledge. Um, I think for market scale, um, I'd like to think we're, we're exactly where we want to be. Um, we know we're still on kind of the forefront of, of B2B communicating in this way. We still have our mission and the light just as bright as, you know, bringing companies this way. Uh, we do have some really fun developments, um, you know, that we're creating in our platform. Um, I'll share one um, that that's coming really soon, which is experts. Um, you know, if you, Look at for like a platform for Cameo or like Cameo, for example, if you know that if you're like a huge Brett Favre fan, you know, somebody could get like Brett Favre to make a video for you wishing you, a, you know, a happy birthday or, or Merry Christmas. Uh, what experts is going to be in studio is the idea that we're going to have literally just thousands and thousands and thousands of experts in our platform and companies can come in and say, oh, my gosh, I, I love Dr. Kevin Stevenson and his take on healthcare. I want him to make a soundbite for me. And now Dr. Kevin Stevenson, this expert, starts to create kind of that not influencer content, but more of that lending his thought leadership to your brand that and you own that content. So we think the world of, of bringing in outside experts to speak is going to be something huge uh, for B2B. And that's where we're kind of most excited about with where our, our platform's headed. But it's a fun time, man, for B2B. Uh, you know, tech's never been... Uh, used more often. Um, you know, we're looking post COVID now and, and people are traveling more than ever and trade shows and communities back. And, uh, you know, you look at people in decision-making roles now, you know, they're, they're the millennials who grew up with, with tech and, and social media. And I think the, the path ahead for B2B uh, is just as strong as, you know, the amazing folks who have, have built it and have gotten it to where it is today. So couldn't be more excited with, with where tech's coming from, AI to AR, VR, and, you know, development set that we hope to make in the near future to continue to be a part of that, that tech movement in B2B. Yeah, I, what I hear what you just said is parts of the jumps out of me is mm -hmm. you're looking to be a connector. Oh, absolutely. But, um, you know, when you mentioned these other experts and being yeah. able to kind of have a, a bench, if you will, of experts that are kind of available. I mean, like, what a, where would you even go to start, you know, to if, if you're a business owner that's, for example, doing valves as <laughs> you think to go with you go with your so where would you start thinking about who might even be appropriate for me or who might my, my audience adapt to and 
is that even within my budget to work with them? And how do I even start? And so it takes these things that would never, that seems so far out of reach and I wouldn't even know how to approach them and says, okay, we've already got a method of doing this and we've got the, the here's the steps and here's how you, how we connect and we can make this. And, you know, there's, I, I've seen platforms, um, you know, popping up uh, on social media on this, but it's always influencers. You know, it's always a, a typical influencer. And there's a lot of people out there that are experts that would love it'd be nice to have available on your roster, but they're not necessarily influencers, but it's someone that, you know, maybe they have no social media following whatsoever, but my clients would respect them and my clients would love to hear, hear from them. And, you know, so that's very different than saying, okay, let me, cause, cause when you think about influencer marketing, you know, like, let me pay this influence. It's all an ad. It's an ad. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's modern advertising. To, yeah. Yes. That goes back to what you said, what you started with was like, we were, we were doing ads and we thought this is not sustainable. You know, we've got to build this another way. So what you're doing is again, pushing away from just, just ads. Not that there's anything wrong with ads, but it's temporary paid exposure. Um, and, and, and connecting them to folks that are, you know, kind of beyond that, uh, influencer crowd. And I also think that that's interesting because, you know, your theme of authenticity goes into that. Cause you know, when you're paying an influencer for an ad, you know, there's, um, we know it's a paid ad. It's a, this, this is someone who has nothing to do with this. And, you know, it's like, um, you know, you have Shaquille O'Neal sponsoring, you know, in an ad for Pepsi or whatever, like, okay, you know, you went out and bought Shaq, you know, and maybe that's fun to some people, but you know, it's, um, he's not an expert on cola, you know, he's just a recognizable name. And so, you know, if you're looking for something specific, you're not just looking for someone who just has attention, but for someone who has credibility to your specific audience. And I think that's pretty interesting what you're doing there with, uh, that, credible specific audience that's not necessarily the influencer, but definitely has credibility and, and they can, and it's available to your brand. I think that's a very interesting idea. Thank you. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it you bring up a good point. It's kind of, it's influencer in a way, but it's instead yeah. of saying, Hey, I want to pay for you to talk about my brand and then you post it to your followers. It's the opposite. It's, Hey, I want you as an expert to lend your voice on my channel to my audience and, and, and my audience can, you know, learn from you. And it's a quid pro quo because that expert, you know, gets their name and, and brand out there. Um, and then, you know, that company gets that, the name and brand of, of that thought leader, you know, on their show. And, you know, the thing with advertising, advertising is great. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of advertising in, in certain ways, you know, market scale, we've never made a dollar on, on selling ads because our mission was to help companies go a different way. But no, there are a time and place, you know, for ads, you know, we, we always want our customers to spend the appropriate amount on ads, but yeah, there are new ways to communicate. And, you know, I'd say we could kind of, you know, be in the bucket of reverse PR, right? With PR, you pay to be on somebody else's channels and, and you pay for their audience. In the end, you have it, but that group owns your thought leadership because it's their audience, it's their followers, it's their traffic, it's their you know, leads, uh, it's their data. Let's flip the script. Let's build our own platform. Let's le allow our community, our, our, our group to be on it. But then let's bring those outside groups, those outside associations, those outside experts onto our show. And, uh, you know, now they start kind of doing the marketing for us and we help them. It's, it's a truly a quid pro quo. So that's kind of where, where we live and, and where I think B2B is going to continue to transform to is that, that knowledge sharing.
Absolutely. Knowledge sharing, connecting different mm -hmm. folks, getting different voices connecting. there. Um, yeah. especially those authentic, authentic voices. I, I love it. Um, you know, if you've listened to the show today and you've gotten value out of this, I appreciate you taking the time to listen and give us a like, give us a follow, share us with a friend, uh, give us a review. If you have a few moments to give us a positive review on one of the platforms that really helps us to, to increase the reach uh, on this show. And uh, Tim, I've really enjoyed having you today. I've learned a lot from this, and I'm excited to to be working with uh, to market scale myself. I'm you're not just uh, interviewing; I'm just interviewing you out of nowhere. I, I actually work with market scale and and love you and and your team. And uh, if you're listening to this and you know you're curious about market scale, you're welcome to reach out to me, and I'm happy to chat chit chat with you about my experience with market scale. Uh, and of course, uh, marketscale.com, you can visit their website, see the content that they're putting out, uh, both for themselves and for, for, for clients. But uh, Tim, anything you'd like to, to say with, uh, with your parting thoughts today? No, I just appreciate you having me on, Joshua. And, and I just want to thank you. I mean, you're, you're building community, right? That, that's what B2B is all about. It's all a bunch of micro communities that, that make a, a larger community. And uh, I just thank you for your, your passion, uh, your knowledge. You're such a well-educated uh, gentlemen, and, and you, you do such a good job of, of lending your, your voice and thoughts to so many corners of, of the world. So thanks for what you do. And thank you so much for having me. Uh, having me. Couldn't think of a better way to start this week. And uh, yeah, excited for the community to maybe take something away from me. Uh, that would make it worth it. To your point, even if one person listens to this and, and has changed, that, that's viral enough for me. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Tim. And thank you all for joining us today.